Well, we're beginning a new series today called A Church on Mission. It's out of the book of Philippians, and so we'll be going through the book of Philippians really through now all the way up until Advent, which is the last week of November. Um, and so we're going to work through it. Philippians is a fantastic book, um, and so we'll get a little bit more introduction about it when I talk about it, but... Um, the intro thing was about, you know, when something you had to do with somebody, you had to work together and you both had skin in the game. And, and we're going to talk about that because the, the Philippian church, it's sort of a unique church when, in, the, in Paul's letters to the churches and stuff, and it's really positive. And, and, and it's really joyful, and it's really, he's sort of commending them, and there's, and there's this real sense of partnership between Paul and the Philippian church. And he was a part of, of Paul's ministry from the time that he, 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 remember, we'll talk about it in the book of Acts when he came through town and started this teeny little church, and then they grew, and then they partnered with him in, in building that church and then helping him do churches all over the world. And, and so Philippians is sort of this example of a church that had skin in the game. It's an example of a church that actually was engaged and involved and doing what God had in them and for them. And so, so it, it's sort of this model that I, that I wanted for us to, to really walk through this fall. Um, you know, we can learn from good examples, we can learn from bad examples, right? Um, we can learn from all sorts of folks, but, but, but the Philippians, they're really a good example. And so what I'm hoping is we can do is we can walk through and, and learn from them about how they had a, a focus on Christ, how they had a humility, how, how they worked through, you know, how they were challenged to work through internal conflicts and external conflicts and, and how, how they, were, they were challenged to keep this focus on Christ in the midst of everything else that was going on. So that's what we're going to talk about this fall is, is how to be a church, how, how we together can be Intentional. How can we be on purpose? How can we live in such a way that we actually have skin in the game? You know, skin in the game is like, like you lost some skin doing something. Okay? Like, like this weekend, um, you know, we, we were working on our, our screen porch. We, were, we actually, yesterday, replaced all the screens on the screen in porch. Okay? My wife is very excited. She's clapping. She'll give me a standing ovation, won't you? Will you give me a standing ovation, honey, please? Standing, please. Standing ovation. <laughs> Yay! Okay, no, she actually, she even helped. She helped. Mainly, mainly one of my sons, we were out there all day, she also came out when he, and she helped cut screens. And, and so it's like, and it was like, it hadn't been done since it had been installed. So it's like these two-by-two two boards. You have to pull them all out then get the nails out of all of them. And then you put them back in. And, you know, so you have your bag of old nails and you're putting in screws. So next time, the next person who does it, it won't be near as hard. They can just go, and be done. But we had to like, you know, so it just took took all day, but got it done. But I, 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 in the week before, my dad and I did the mailbox, and it's like secured by concrete on the bottom. So I had this metal pole. I don't know what they're called in America and Russian. Russian they're called a loam. I don't know what the English word is, but this big metal steel pole that you beat things with to break concrete. I don't know what that's called. Anybody know what that's called? Metal pole to break concrete. Okay, but <clears throat> there's no word. But you know, and so last week I looked like I'd been in a fight. I had like you know blood blisters all my knuckles from scraping it in the, on the rose bush that's right by the mailbox. And this week, I, I, I hammered my hand once, you know. And, and I, have, I have, you know, bruises on my knees. I, but my son and I, we had skin in the game. And we, 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 we both were just, you know, we, 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 we have scrapes and bruises. But we, we accomplished something. You, you want to see a beautiful screen porch? Come look at our screen porch. <laughs> now, we did actually make one mistake and we're drawing out something and put a, a hole in the brand new screen porch in one little spot. But you can't see it, hopefully. But, but apart from that, all the other segments, they're perfect. They're beautiful. And we have a sense of accomplishment. We're like, yeah, uh-huh. It may have looked bad for 10 years, but now it looks good. <laughs> it looks awesome now. 
and we had skin in the game and we worked together and we did it. Now the interesting thing is that sometimes we, we have these experiences. It can be in school. It can be, yeah, we worked together on a group project or it can be on a sports team. We did this. Or it can be, you know, your parents assigned the two kids to have some chore and you've got to work together to get it done. Or it can be at work, you're working on a project or whatever it is. We do things together and we can sometimes have a sense of accomplishment at the end. <clears throat> sometimes, though, we don't actually have that sense in our spiritual lives. Sometimes we don't have this sense of, man, I am, I am really doing something and partnering with someone to do something for God. Or I'm actually partnering with God and doing something. And that's what we're going to talk about today because honestly, honestly, this Christian life is actually about a relationship with Christ. It's actually about doing things with God, for God, and living a life in the midst of this reality we call life, where things don't go right, where things go wrong, where expectations are shattered, where we make mistakes, where we're disappointed and we're disappointing. But we have grace and mercy, and we have a Savior who is with us and in us and empowers us and guides us and actually works in us and works through us to accomplish things. That's what this Christian life is all about. It's in the midst of the reality. It's in the midst of the first week of school and things not going quite like you planned. Not quite having the friends in class you thought or not, things not quite going well at school. You're trying to find your way around. You're trying to get in lockers. You're trying to meet new teachers. You're trying to remember names. You're trying to have classes. You're trying to you know, figure out your place in this new year at school. Or your, your parents, you're trying to send your kids off and you're you know, trying to be encouraging and then you're also stressed and worried. And, and, I mean, it, it, it could be work. It could be whatever. How do we live this life in this reality Trusting God and saying, God, in the midst of all this, I want you to be changing and working in me. And I even want you to be working through me. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It's just this, it's just this reality that, that God works. He's at work in and through us. He really is. In fact, the title of the sermon I actually have, in the, in the, if you look at it together, it says, you know, God finishes what he starts. And we're gonna, one of the verses we talk about today is that, you know, that he who began a good work and you will carry on a completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The sense that God is, has started something, he's working. So that's what I'm going to talk about. That God finishes what he started. He's at work in us and through us, and he's not going to give up. And he's actually wanting to engage us and wanting us to be a part with him and wanting to have skin in the game. Because that's the reality of life. The reality of life is not just coasting. The reality of life is not just, you know, showing up, you know, you know at, at this thing or that thing and not being engaged. God, God actually wants to be in relationship with us so that we sense his delight, sense his involvement, sense his presence, and in the bruises and scrapes and the falling down and the standing back up that we're doing this with him. So that's what we're going to talk about today, that God is at work in and through us. And that, that's what I just want us to walk away with from today, is just saying, hey, I'm in the game with God. God's in the game with me. He's working in me and through me, and he's not going to give up on me. So I'm going to live like that this week, and I'm going to look at the circumstances I'm in. I'm going to look at the relationships I'm in. I'm going to look at where I am, and I'm going to say, hey, God, how are you going to be working in me and through me? Because I'm in the game. Okay, so that, that's where we're going this week. Now, we're going to start off this week in the beginning of the book of Philippians. Um, books, epistles, letters start the same way. Okay? What's the first thing in a letter in ancient times? You think, what, what do they first do? They say greetings, all that kind of stuff. Okay, very good. The first thing they say is actually 
Who wrote it? Who's it from? Okay? Then they say, Who's it to? Very good. So a letter, they first say, This is who it's from. This is who it's to. And then they usually have some sort of blessing. Okay? Then it transitions into the first part of the letter where there's, there's some thanksgiving about them. And then it usually moves into a prayer. And then it gets into the content of the letter. So if you read through Paul's letters in the New Testament, you're going to see that form time and time again. There's different types of books in the New Testament. There's Gospels. There's a whole bunch of what we call epistles. But basically, these are actual letters that someone wrote to someone. And the book of Philippians is an actual letter that Paul wrote to the church of believers that lived in this city called Philippi. And Philippi is in modern-day Greece. I'll, I'll introduce you a little bit more about the, the city in, in weeks to come. But if you remember in our series on Acts, Philippi is a city that Paul encountered in Greece. He had been running around in Turkey. If you remember, we, we had these maps up here. We always show Paul running around the center of Turkey. Uh, he, he'd come over from Antioch. He'd take the boat around. He'd go up in the middle of Turkey and run around, Derby, Derby Lister, all this kind of stuff, and come back down. Then he came by the land route. <clears throat> he'd run all over the inside of Turkey. And he was about to go up into north-central Turkey. And the Spirit of God, it says in Acts 15, it says the Spirit of God prevented him. He said, uh-uh. And he didn't try to go another way, and the Spirit of God said, uh-uh. He's like, so he goes to sleep that night, and he has a vision of a guy from Macedonia calling out to him saying, come help us. Or you can read it. It's in Acts. Okay? Go read that. That's in Acts 15. And so, or the end of 15, going into 16. And, and then in 6, and then he says, okay. So then he does a, 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 a direct, um, what would left be? West. He goes, he goes west. Instead of going north, he goes west and starts heading towards Macedonia. And, and he goes to the biggest city in, in that area of Macedonia. Um, and, and, it's, and it's sort of on this sort of land bridge area between Turkey and getting over into modern day Greece. And that day it was called Macedonia. And so he goes to this city called Philippi. There's a, on the coast of a city called Neapolis you can sail up to. They went to the leading city of the area called Philippi. So I encourage you this week to, to read Acts 16, because that's where the church was founded. And I, I'll give you just a brief overview of that real quick. But you go back and read Acts 16, and then I'd encourage you this week, just read the entire book of Philippians. It will not take you long. It will not be painful. You can even use that version app and hit play, and it'll talk it to you. It'll read it to you in a nice-sounding voice. And you can listen to it. I did that I, when I was working out on the porch. I had it played for me a couple times. Just listen to the whole book. Just and so it will. But yeah, because when you read the whole letter, you get a feel for what Paul's doing. You get a feel for the relationship. You get a feel for the whole book. And we're going to be in this book for a little while. So I encourage you to read the whole book of Philippians. It's only four chapters. Four chapters. Short chapters. Okay. So read the book of Philippians. It'll really help you as we study. So here's this thing. So Acts 15. Acts 16. A.D. 51. Paul's in his second missionary journey. He's had this vision. He goes over to Macedonia. He comes into the city called Philippi. And he's looking for believers. He usually goes to speak to the Jews first. And he goes, and there weren't enough Jews evidently to have a synagogue, so he went down to the river where they would usually gather for prayer. And there were some ladies there praying. And he shares the gospel with them, and one of them named Lydia becomes a believer. And she sells purple, and she's a woman of means. And she says, hey, if you, if you consider me a believer, I'd like your group of... You know, this, this is Paul and Silas and Luke and these guys, other guys. Um, he goes, would you come stay in our, our place? 
because she's a person of means and she has a place. So they come stay in there and then they do ministry. Um, and then they're going around Philippi doing ministry. And you remember the story. This slave girl, Acts 16, great story, you got to read it. She's sort of following around going, these people are... She's not, she's yelling, I'm not going to yell. But she's yelling, these people are servants of the Most High God, telling you how you must be saved. Now she didn't have a deep voice. She, these persons are the servants of the Most High God, telling you how you must be saved. So she's, she's screaming this and Paul finally says enough of this, cast the, and she, she would actually make her money. She was a slave who could tell the future. And so that's sort of how she made money for her owners. So Paul just cast the demon out of her by which she was telling the future. So then she couldn't do that anymore. The owners weren't too happy. So they sort of grabbed Paul and beat him up, take him to the authorities. Paul gets beat up, thrown into prison. Okay, so so far Paul's, inf- inf- he's, he has impacted Lydia and her household. The slave girl obviously impacted her pretty significantly. Now he's in prison. If you remember at midnight, what, what's Paul doing in prison? He's actually singing hymns at midnight in prison. I mean, come on. Then what happens? An earthquake! He's been beaten. He's in prison. He decides to have a you know, jam session at night. And, and then an earthquake happens. And you remember what happens then? The jailer thinks people have escaped. He's about to kill himself. He comes down. And, he, and Paul says, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And he's like, what? What are you talking about? He's heard them sing hymns. He's heard stuff. And he goes, look, guys. What do I have to do to be saved? Because obviously Paul's been preaching the gospel in the, in the prison. He's been singing. He's been doing all kinds of stuff. So then the jailer invites him out. He comes to the jailer's home. And his whole household is saved and baptized. So now we got Lydia. We've got a slave girl. We're not sure. I've told explicitly about the slave girl, but we're, maybe. And then you've got the jailer. Probably some of those prisoners. And that's the first church in Philippi. That's how it all started. That's a pretty diverse group. A rich lady, a fortune-telling slave, a jailer, and his family, and probably some prisoners. I mean, that's... If I was going to put together a church that's moving and shaking, that's what I would pick. Right? I mean, come on! If you could select a church that Paul would see probably more positively than any other church in the New Testament, I mean, that's what I would pick. No. That's not what I would pick. But that's actually what became the church in Philippi. And as we read this church, we read this letter in Philippians, you're going to see how much Paul loves them. He says it. He says in the first chapter, he goes, he just says, you know, it's right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart. He goes, God can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. They partner with Paul. The way you learn about the church in Philippi is you read Acts 16, you read the book of Philippians, and you also look for references to the church of Philippi in the letters to the Corinthians. Because Paul's sort of challenging the Corinthians, this wealthy, this big, this, this major urban church, says, these guys are putting you to shame. These guys helped me in my journey in Thessalonica. These guys helped me in my journey here. These guys did this. And then I'm taking a collection for all the Jews who are, who are impoverished. And I didn't even want to try to get from the Philippians because they were impoverished themselves. But they said, no, we're going to give. And we're going to give even out of our poverty because we want to help our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. So you, if you go read 2 Corinthians 8, it talks about that, how they gave above and beyond what they couldn't even do. I mean, here's this little church of unlikely people 
and a significant city that becomes a model for all of church history. That's the Philippian church we're going to talk about. It's a church on mission. It's a church that's engaged. It's a church that has skin in the game. Not because they're the most likely people. Not because they have the best background or the most resources. Not because they have all the answers. Not even because they're all the same. Not because they're often the same ethno, you know, socioeconomic, ethnic background. No, this is a mixed bag. But what they had in common was saying, it's about Christ. It's about the gospel. It's about us being a body in a unity defined by our identity in Christ and committed to serving him. And that's what we're going to discover as we look in the book of Philippians. Okay? I'm going to read the first few verses. It starts off, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers, for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. So I want to give us just a little picture at the beginning of how God is at work in us, in and through us. That God, God just as he was at work in this unlikely gathering, unlikely grouping of people in Philippi who had put their faith in Christ, so also he is at work in and through us. So also he is at work in and through us. So let's just walk through this. The, the, the opening, it's just one, one little, I can't help it. I, I, have, I love to do little teaching type things. In the epistles, although it's a similar format, who's it from, who's it to, greeting, thanks, almost without exception, the slight adjustments in that content actually highlight themes that are going to be taking place in the whole letter. So like in some, some epistles, Paul identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he's sort of asserting his authority, saying, hey, you need to listen to me. I'm going to tell you about some stuff. Um, in some letters, he, he will have his opening statement, you know, like in the Galatians. I mean, he just like beats on them. He, 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 he sort of does the opening thing, thing, and this first thing is, you know, how are you so quickly deserting? You know, <laughs> he just like jumps on them. You know, and so, so easily you have this sort of opening, but what's in the opening actually communicates really what's going to take place in the letter. So Paul starts off, he really starts off as friends and comrades. He doesn't say apostle of, uh, like in Colossians he even says, he goes, Paul, uh, Paul, and Tim, Paul and apostle of Jesus Christ and Timothy our brother. That's what he starts in Colossians. Here in, in Philippians he says, Paul and Timothy, he puts them on common ground. He says, servants or, or slaves of Jesus Christ. He takes his humble position. He's not, he's not in any way emphasizing his authority in any way. He's sort of relating to them. He's saying, yeah, you know what I am? I'm a servant of Christ. That's the identity I'm talking about here. And we'll see in, in Philippians, there's a huge emphasis on humility. We'll come across that in, in Philippians 2 and elsewhere. That just as Christ was humble, so we're to be humble. But you see, the beginning of these hints just start to play out. So Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus... 
This is to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. That's interesting. When the, when the letter comes, I'll back up for that. I'm sorry. When the, when the letter comes, it's now been ten years from the time Paul was there in AD 51 to the time he writes this letter. When he writes this letter, he finished his second missionary journey. He did his third missionary journey when he came through and saw the Philippians again. Then he went back to Jerusalem. That's when he took the offering from all the churches and helped the church in, in, in the Jerusalem area. And then you remember he got arrested in the temple and then taken to Caesarea um, by the sea and was in prison for a couple of years. They tried to get a bribe out of him. And then, then he appealed to Rome and he got sent to Rome in prison. He's waiting to see what will happen. So it's while Paul's in prison that he's writing this letter to the Philippians. So it's been 10 years since you had this small, unlikely group of people. And now it's a church with overseers and deacons. In other words, in other words there is a structure. There are, there are leaders. It is a body that is led. There are overseers and deacons. It's now a grown church from this small little group now there's a church of overseers and deacons, all of whom's identity is in Christ Jesus. So their identity, you know, Paul says, we're servants of Christ Jesus, and we're writing to all of you believers in Philippi, all of you. You are God's holy people. In Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. So that is just as the letter starts. So you guys, if, if Paul was writing to us today, he would say, you know, if he was going to write specifically to Dawson, he, he, might, he might write to Birmingham, he might write to Homewood, he might write to Edgewood, who knows? To all God's holy people meeting in the building that some will call Dawson Memorial Baptist Church, but it's the people of the church, right? It's not this building. The church of the people. So to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus. Your identity is Christ. At Philippi to go to the overseas and deacons. So that's, that's the opening part. Boom. Then he goes on. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a standard reading because it's so foundational. We all have grace and peace in Christ. We receive grace. We receive forgiveness. We receive life from God that we don't deserve. Any of you guys received grace lately? Huh? Yeah. There's something about receiving grace, isn't it? I mean, you sort of mess up and someone says it's okay. When you don't have the answer and someone's there at your back and says it's okay. And that's sort of the fundamental thing about Christianity is that we have grace from God and through that grace we have peace with God and from God through Jesus Christ our Lord. From God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's foundational. You're going to find that because we've got to be reminded of that all the time. We receive grace. We live in grace. We extend grace. It's characteristic of who we are to be. And then he, goes, then he starts the letter. He says, verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So Paul, I mean, it's very positive. I thank my God every time I remember you. He's got some good memories of these guys. Now his, 
he's been there a couple times at least. He was there when he got thrown in prison and he saw God dramatically work and form this little church. He went there again on his third journey. And now he's writing them from a prison in Rome. But if you, when you get to the end of, of Philippians, you get chapter 4, he, Paul is even, part of this letter is a thank you letter. He's thanking them. He's saying, hey man, you guys helped me when I was in Thessalonians. You helped me there. And we know from the Corinthians that Paul helped, Paul even sent money to him. These guys sent money to Paul when he was even in Corinth. And now, you'll see in the last part, he's thanking them for their gift. You know, he, he, the, the passage in Philippians that we all know that, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's actually in context of Paul receiving a gift from the Philippian church while he's in prison in Rome. He says, you know, he goes, I, I'm so thankful for what you've given me, I, 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 but I, I know I, I, all my needs are met, I'm, I'm fully supplied, but I've learned the secret of being content in every circumstance. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he says, you know, I, I, he goes, I, I'm all taken care of. You know, but I want to thank you for what you did. So, so th- th- this, is, this is this Philippian church. He's close to them because when he just formed the church, okay, he just formed the church in Philippi, he goes down the coast to, he next goes to Berea, then he goes to Thessalonica, <clears throat> then he goes down to Athens, then he goes to Corinth, and he's in Corinth for a couple years. And he first off starts in Corinth making tents. You can read this in, you can read this in um, Acts as well. But it says, when, 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 Paul, when Silas and, and I think Timothy came along, I devoted myself fully to preaching. And we see in the book of Corinth that, 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 that the churches in Macedonia sent him money. So while he is, this church has just started... Paul has just led them and shared the gospel with them. And they're going down the road six months later, eight months later. He's in Corinth. And this church says, hey, Paul, we want to help you share the gospel in Corinth. We don't want you working full time. We want you to be able to pray. And so they send funds down to Paul. So they, so they, they are partnering with him. They did the same thing in Thessalonica. You'll see in chapter 4. So this church and Paul are close. This is not some people he sort of stopped through. These people have skin in the game. They're thinking about Paul. They're wondering how he's doing. They're participating with him. They're contributing to him. They're, they're praying for him. That's how this is working. And so that's why he's saying that. He's like, man, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now that term partnership, it's actually the, 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 the same word that we get this word koinonia. Some of you guys have heard this word koinonia, it means fellowship. But actually the translations, ESV and NIV do a great job, they actually translate it partnership. They don't say your fellowship in the gospel, because it actually implies a lot more. It implies like ownership. It implies sacrifice. It's actually, it was used in, in, in really more in economic terms. If you went in a joint venture with somebody, let's say Peter wanted to go into a fishing business and he bought a boat with somebody to go into the fishing business on the Sea of Galilee, then that would have been a partnership. It would have been a koinonia. It would have been a partnership because they both had skin in the game. So this thing where he says, he goes, he goes I'm so thankful for you, every minister of you, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's saying, you guys have had skin in the game from day one. You guys have had skin in the game. You haven't just given lip service. You've actually played it out. 
You have sacrificed. You have, you have shared the gospel message. You know, Paul and them left. Who's sharing the gospel in Philippi? The slave owner? Lydia? The prisoners? The jailer? How did this church go from a few people to a church with overseers and deacons that is, that is enabling churches to be planted in far-flung places of the Roman Empire? It came through regular, ordinary people having skin in the game. And just saying, hey God, I'm yours. Work in and through me in my sphere of influence. And that's what Paul, that's why I love his being confident of this, you know, because of your partnership in the gospel for the first angel in the aisle. He goes, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That he is not Paul. The he is who? It's God. That God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So God's the one who started this work in the Philippian church. God's the one who's going to finish it. Now have you ever worked with someone that was like pretty impressive, pretty influential? You ever done a job with someone who's actually maybe even more gifted than you? Someone who had the capability to do something even better than you could do? I have. I, I, I don't have, I really don't have much skill um, in working with my hands at all. And I've worked with various people who do. Um, you know, I mean, I, my dad and I were doing the mailbox, and dad, can I tell you how old you are? My dad is, he's in his 80s, let's say that, young, low 80s. He's putting me to shame. I'm like, Dad, you're hitting with this pole, and then he's actually hitting in the right place. And he's like, you know, we worked out so we eventually could slide the post out without having to break up all the concrete. He sort of knew what he was doing. Made it a lot easier. <laughs> he and he's killing me. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. And I knew if I'm working with my dad, I can get this thing done. I know we're going to get it done. You see, God is with us. This Christian faith you have, this journey that you're on, this experience that you're walking and trying to get to know God and trying to become more faithful and trying to be used of Him, He is in this with you. He initiated it. It wasn't your idea. It was His. He started it. And God finishes what he starts. God doesn't give up halfway through. God doesn't say, oh, I'm tired. I need a break. I need a siesta. I'm worn out. My, my resources are depleted. God finishes what he started. And God has begun a good work. And God will work it to completion. The challenge for us is to realize that and say, hey, God's working in me and he invites me to work it through, to, to work alongside him and to be his instrument. To allow him to transform me and allow him to work through me. I got the coolest text this week from a friend of mine. He goes, you gotta see, oh, I should read it. Ah, my phone's back. I'm gonna read this. <laughs> Just a second. 
Oh, it was an email. It wasn't a text. Dang it. Okay, I don't know how I'll be able to find it fast. Basically, he wrote me, he goes, you aren't going to believe this. My son went to school, and I, and I met this other parent that's in his class, and the parent came up to me and says, oh yeah, I know your son. Son's in fourth grade. So I know your son. Your son told my son about Jesus, and my son prayed, for Je- prayed to ask Jesus in his heart, and my son now believes in Jesus. He's like, this is my fourth grader! God is working in and through him. All he did was just tell his friend in class about Jesus. It was not a theological exposition. It was not, you know, Colossians 1. In him was the beginning. All things in him were made, have been made. And No! It was just about Jesus. How Jesus loves us and died for us. And we believe in him and he gives us salvation. And his friend says, man, I'd like, to, I'd like to get to know Jesus. I'd like to know God. And that has begun a lifetime journey for this fourth grader. That was a little risk for the fourth grader, wasn't it? I mean, he could have been rejected. He was stepping out a little bit. <clears throat> he put some skin in the game. But God was at work. In and through us. So I just want to advise, we're at the fall. There may be some new spheres of influence. There may be some new realms that you're in. There may be some new, new, new friendships, new opportunities, new relationships, new teams, new parents, new co-workers, new whatever. Let's go into this week saying, God, I believe that you're at work in me and through me. And I want to have skin in the game. I want to say yes to your promptings and to your leadings. I want to say yes to where you're asking me to step out in faith. I want to say yes to where you're asking me to have that conversation or to encourage that person or to invite this person or to do or to be praying for this person or whatever. Because I I believe that you're at work in and through me. Amen? So let's do that this week. Let's remember God's at work in and through us. And he doesn't give up on us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this church in, in the city of Philippi. These believers who started out as an unlikely, probably fairly motley crew. Um, but a church that, that encountered the living Christ by faith. God, we don't go into this week thinking we have it all together. We don't even know what this week will hold. But we ask that you would help us as a body to be in the game. To realize that you're at work in us and through us. And for us to relax and to trust and to step out. We thank you that you obviously have skin in the game. You gave your son to die on a cross for us. So that we could have a relationship with you. And enjoy your presence. 
and to live a life empowered by you and focused on you and in relationship with you in the midst of all that we face. Help us this week to embrace and welcome your working in us and through us for your glory. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.